everybody, welcome to what is for us the last episode of 2023, and for you all will be the first episode of 2024. We're looking back at a year in review on CO2, and who better to join us than Rich Gottwell, CEO of the Compressed Gas Association, and Rob Cockerell, Content Director for Gas World. And both of these gentlemen have been very busy over the past year. Jeff, you know, we listened to you actually at the CO2 Summit put on by Gas World um, back in 22, saying this year was painful. 23, we, we don't feel there will be as much pain, but, but um, you know, it will come back. It will, it will rear its head. Uh, and, and maybe that's what we talk about today. Quick year in review. A lot of buzz around the pipelines, and, and there has been so much shift there. Rich, you guys started the CO2 Coalition trying to get end users involved. We had the CO2 Summit uh, in Indy in September and one coming up in Austria to start 2024. So an exciting time, maybe not as much pain, Jeff. You know, we, we didn't feel some of the, uh, the tensions that we did in 22, but the buzz was there and it sets the stage for 2024. So everybody, welcome to the podcast. Excited to have you all. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's uh, let these fine gentlemen introduce themselves. I'm sure uh, most everybody listening and watching probably already knows both of them. But uh, Rich, Rob, please uh, just maybe just introduce yourselves and your associations and your uh, your outlets, and we'll go from there. I'm Rich Gottwald, and I'm president and CEO of the Compressed Gas Association. Uh, CJ is the trade association for the all things compressed gases. We're going to talk about CO2, but our members also provide products like helium, hydrogen, argon, oxygen, medical oxygen, all those sorts of uh, products. I think we cover 55 different gases within our membership. Um, uh, we're based here. We're talking to you from McLean, Virginia, and happy to be here with you all today. Hi, I'm Rob uh, Cockerell here, content director for Gasworld, as, as we heard. Uh, Gasworld's the the leading global media and events provider for the industrial gases business. Um, so everything from magazines to online newsletters, uh, events, summits, uh, webinars, soon podcasts, we think. Um, so all kind of different media for this space. And, and when we talk about this space, we're talking about helium, hydrogen, CO2, a whole range of gases. So um, there's a lot to keep us busy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to have both of you, and you know we've got we've got the 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 broad reach of the entire gas association of all the producers and users of, of the gases, but also the media outlets that are keeping us updated and and uh, uh, you know basically in touch and fingers on the pulse of the entire industry. And you know what we we hope and we we strive for here, and and I know both of you do as well. How do we get more end users involved? So everybody knows about CO two, but do they really understand the backside of the industry and the impact? that everything that happened in the last couple of years is is having on them. They know they don't have CO2 uh, when they run out. They know the price has gone up and they've heard little bits about, you know, allocations or force majeures or whatever it is, but do they understand why? And so we try to educate that end use space and I know you do as well. Uh, so, yeah, we, we really think this is a great opportunity to kind of really further expand that message. I mean, I know between your organizations, you have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, of uh, you know, re people reach basically. So great to have you. And uh, yeah, as Luke noted, I mean, you know, we, in 2022 at the CO2 Gas World Summit, uh, you know, we kind of presented and talked about the world's changing. You know, where, where you get your CO2 from, who you get it from, and the price you pay for it, they're all going to change. But it wasn't really going to be this year. And I, you know, we, what we hope is people haven't forgotten about it. You know, the pain, you know, the, the wounds have cauterized some and the pain went away some, but it's coming and it still is. But how much farther out are we? So, you know, I'll let both of you guys talk about, like, you know, pipelines were going to be the big thing. That was all the talk in 2022 and then 2023 and then three-fourths of the way through the year. 
pipelines we kind of are now forgotten about because they've been mothballed to some extent. Summit's still online, Wilson's still online, but the big one, the Navigator, is is kind of mothballed at the moment. So what are you guys seeing? What are you hearing? What's going on in the world of pipelines? Well, Jeff, I think, you know, from CJ's perspective, you know, maybe, maybe to set the stage of what we're seeing out there, pipelines play into it. But anyone listening to this podcast knows that every year, most years, there's always this shortage of CO2 come along, and it, it we get into things like allocations that you were mentioning. But what we've seen over the past couple of years, and we'll continue to see in the future, is that the very landscape around CO2 is changing. Because as global warming becomes more of a dominant uh, issue of our time, and we've just seen that through the COP28 hearings of uh, meetings over the past couple of weeks, CO2 is the number one uh, gas leading to global warming. Industrial emissions of CO2 is a real challenge. And so the whole world is looking at CO2 and how do we eliminate CO2 from the environment to, to kind of play down and to control global warming. But we all know that CO2 has a really critical role to many applications in society. And so as we've been trying to, let's say, uh, build a build a, a, a reliable supply of CO2 for all these applications over here, the rest of the world is saying, no, we need to get rid of, rid of CO2 uh, to, to really to, um, to limit global warming. So what we've been focused on this year, and by the way, the, the, the pipelines play into that because suddenly CO2 is, in, is a valuable commodity and there's tax credits being given out to take that CO2 and sequester it. What we realize is that people don't understand how CO2 is used. When I say people, I mean the general public, but also policymakers who are putting these policies yeah. into place. So we've embarked on a, on a, a project this year, and we call this the CO2 Solutions Coalition, where we're bringing the providers of CO2, the manufacturers of CO2, as well as the end users. And we need, we've begun going out there beginning to educate policymakers on the really important role that CO2 has to do in food and beverage, uh, infrastructure, welding, medical applications, that those are really important uses of CO2, and we can't ban CO2 outright. We need to control industrial emissions, but we need to make sure that there's a continued reliable supply of CO2 for these really important applications. So that's really where CGA has been focused on 2023, and in 2024, we're really going to ramp up that activity as well. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, I would add one piece to that. You know, from my perspective, I think it's not just about we have to be aware of the the existing utilization of CO2, uh, which is critical. But I like to say that we need innovation and investment in future utilization of it. We can't just keep capturing it and putting it underground with no solutions to say, okay, how are we going to limit it, minimize it? You know, we're never getting rid of fossil fuels and other aspects of, that generate CO2. We live, we breathe, CO2 exists. Can we find new uses of it? And I think that's another part on the legislation. Like, let's let's encourage that as much as we're encouraging sequestration is where where my take is. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Rob, what do you what are you seeing out there? You again, you're you're definitely way more global than than we are. You guys, you know, touch every corner of the earth on these these issues. And I know it's not just the U.S. that we're seeing this. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting observation that. Um, I mean, the first 10 or 12 years that I've been reporting on this industry, it's been the invisible industry. And now we're really seeing that change in the last couple of years. And obviously, the great work that Rich and the CGA and many of the other associations are doing, we're seeing that a very visible industry now. And if you look at the time of year we're recording as well, it's nearly Christmas. What a great time of year. We used to run a feature every year that um, profiled all the ways that CO2 would be used 
at Christmas and the festive season that you would never even think about. Um, you know, from from the cold chain and getting that food essentially from farm to fork on Christmas Day to I don't know, the dry ice in the theatre production you might go and see on New Year's Eve or, you know, there's all these different applications. And I think they've they've gone under the radar for so long. Uh, so it's, it's great to see them now coming to the forefront and not just during a, a CO2 crisis where people are worried about where the next point's coming from, you know. <laughs> so exactly, um, I, exactly. I think I think that's been good to see. And I think obviously these problems have been mostly in. Uh, North America and Europe, that's where the biggest CO2 crises have been. But we, we do see um, perceptions changing around the world. And I, I think that's the really important word, as you said, Jeff, perception. It's a little bit like with hydrogen. I'm sure we're all familiar with that, too. Um, you know, we've got a perception change coming up of, of how we view CO2 uh, and how we view hydrogen going forward, because it's it, we do need to see these gases, these commodities through a different lens. They've got an incredibly... Uh, important role to play uh, across the whole industrial and, and sort of societal landscape. So I think, yeah, definitely game on in terms of uh, changing those perceptions. You know, Rob makes a good point around the invisible industry. And I think here at CGA and and, and our members, I think, have always pro- we prided ourselves that we're in with the invisible industry. We kind of fly under the radar. We're self-regulated in many sense. The government, so to speak, is not trying to over-regulate us. Um, but I think that's coming to hurt us. It, it, no one understands the role that our products play in society. You know, you sit around, you hear people talk about global warming and they're drinking their beer, how horrible global warming is. We got to stop global warming, get rid of CO2. And they have no idea that CO2 is, is you know, providing uh, is used in that beer or whatever the case might be. So we're, we're really on a, on, um, on a mission to educate around the role CO2 in this case, but of all the products we represent, helium, hydrogen, they're really important products to the world. And we need to move away being an invisible industry. We now need to be an industry that's providing really a lot of value to society in general. Well, and Rich, if we if we move too quickly, right, and we don't understand the full landscape and we are incentivizing the wrong things, like is the is the opportunity there that we starve industry because of what we're doing with CO2? And Rob, maybe you have all experienced that in Europe some you tend to be kind of on that forefront of um, actually driving innovation for climate change. Uh, I think the U.S. lags there a little bit. Um, but we also hear of shortages in Europe, I think, being more intense and obviously different sources of CO2. But th- is, is some of that self-inflicted? Yeah, I think there's there's probably an element of that. And you're right, we suffer with it. Uh, like you said, I think it's the intensity of the shortages, uh, particularly in the U.K., for example. We're so dependent on imported CO2. Uh, from wider Europe that actually when we do have a shortage it's a real it's a real crisis and we saw that in 2018 I think um, September 21 we saw that and then again a little bit last year as well so yeah I think there's potentially threats coming out of that as well with um, uh, perception and, and this fragile supply chain you know that we we keep hearing this talk about substituting CO2 with other gases potentially that I think there's a lot for the industry to to look at and work on. Yeah, you know, that dovetails very interestingly because, um, you know, I, I look at some somewhere like Europe and see the reason that shortages in CO2 are, are, are so critical or so, so damaging is because you don't have much of a supply of CO2. Two of the major reasons are you, you don't do corn ethanol like, like we do here in the U.S., which is a major supply of our CO2. And you've all but banned uh, ammonia production because of the CO2 emissions. But that ammonia is making the nitrates 
that that are used for farming and better better utilization and growth of of, of farm production and and uh, uh, you know basic general output of those things. But because you didn't want the CO two, you don't have those. Now you're importing CO two, and then we're going to sequester it. If we have better utilization of that CO2, and you know, we, we talked about hydrogen, you take hydrogen and CO2 and some other mixes or other hydrocarbons, now you have sustainable aviation fuel. And so in a review of the year, just last month, we had our first transcontinental flight, uh, 100% of sustainable aviation fuel. That's a great usage of, of you know, green fuels and green energy that you know, now again, can we get back to the ammonia facilities and things like that? We have to be thinking forward and that's where i think that you're in you know you're looking forward is how do we look forward into usage of co2 and stop thinking that co2 is so bad uh you know like it isn't just about your next pint right it's it's we're now it's in our it's our planes we're making polymers with it and plastics and everything else that we can do with it and because to, to richard's point there's not enough education out there understanding of co2 we just think co2 is bad and you know you know and, and go to cop and they just said co2 is bad well the biggest conversation pieces that cop was carbon capture. And that's just not the only solution. And I think that's important to know. And that's why that's why it's so so damaging when it does have the shortages here that we don't have to have, I guess, is what I'm saying. Luke, you, you asked the question whether we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And I don't know that it's that. I think it might be that we've been on the sidelines a bit too long. As an example, you know, in the States, 35% or something like that of CO2 comes as an off gas from the production of ethanol. So, and ethanol is used in gasoline production. And so it's basically this waste gas that our members take. They take that waste gas, they clean it up, they liquefy it, and then they sell it into all these markets. Um, the government, the U.S. government, as part of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, passed uh, uh, policies that call 45Q. And basically, companies are being incentivized to take CO2 and to sequester it, which means putting it in the ground so we can, we can never get it out. They're going to be paid $85 a ton to sequester that CO2 because we want to clean the atmosphere from, from uh, greenhouse gas, uh, global warming gases. If you use that CO2 in applications like food production and beverages, you're going to get $60 a ton. So if you're an ethanol manufacturer out there and saying, okay, I can, I can sell my product to you know, the turkey industry or the meat industry, and I'm going to get a $60 tax credit. Well, that sounds pretty good. If I just put it in the ground, I'm going to get $85 a ton. That's a no-brainer for the, that company, right? They're going to put it in the ground. So it's policies like that that we were kind of on the sidelines when these are being developed, and we need to be out there more often saying, hey, wait, before you do that, do you know that by incentivizing and putting it in the ground, you're going to be taking it away from these critical applications? So the goal is to educate now so that future policies you know, in North America and around the world are put in place as Jeff was saying, to use that CO2 in a more, you know, useful way rather than just putting it in the ground because these are really important applications. So I don't think we're shooting ourselves in the foot. I think we're not in the game. And now we're going to be in the game moving forward. Well, and that said, maybe the pause on the pipelines comes at a critical time where, you know, we had all these commitments to sequester CO2. And, and you would imagine that everybody committed, everybody signed up, still wants to leverage that credit. But as things slow down and, and we gain clarity on whether there's other opportunities to sequester or pipelines do come back online in that intermediary period, Rich, you and team and everybody is out there and we change that legislation and we create a new pipeline for use rather than for sequestration. I mean, maybe we did need this pause to get everybody on the same page. Well, what, one of our critical asks, you know, as we move down the path here is going to be what we're calling parity so that 
CO2 needs to be sequestered or utilized. And you should get $85 a ton if you put it in the ground. But use is just as important. So pay $85 a ton there. So that puts us on equal footing uh, so that we don't damage the markets that we have right now. And hopefully we'll grow, be able to grow CO2 to be used, more CO2 to be used in these markets. Yeah, and that, that parity is is important in my mind, again, from, from the innovation standpoint. It's, you know, we, you, just like we, we need a 12-year bridge of sequestration to start capturing, build the pipelines, and, 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 and uh, you know, basically enable investment. I think we need that same for, for the, the, the investment in innovation and utilization of it. And so, yeah, why should they get less? And there's pushback on it. Well, then you're still going to emit the CO2. Well, that CO2 is a whole lot cleaner than it was you know, it's 100 percent or 99 percent pure CO2 instead of, you know, having uh, nitrous oxides, oxide and sulfide oxides and other dirty chemicals that are in there. Uh, you know, so I think it's very important that we we encourage the parity to you know bring that runway and make that available to investment for innovation in all of these other applications and keep our existing infrastructure going. You shut a food processing plant down or you shut a beverage bottling plant down. Uh, you think the millions of dollars a day of losses and and, and price increases and things like that are, are extremely dramatic that people don't understand. And Jeff, to your point, talking about just cleaning that CO2 up and where we get the CO2, you know, in that process, we are stripping things that are a magnitude, several magnitudes uh, more devastating to uh, to the environment. We talk about global warming, right, Rich? And if that is truly the focus, if, if we are serious about that, then taking and cleaning up CO2 and putting it to use and incentivizing the investment around alternative use has benefits that do uh, actually roll out today with some of the other greenhouse gases. Yeah. One of the point, one of the point on, the, on that issue is that we've done some calculations. And when you look at the amount of CO2 being used in uh, the merchant market, these types of positive applications, compared to industrial emissions, and this is just this is just in the states, the amount being used in this market is less than one quarter of one percent of the CO2 of the of the yeah. industrial emissions. So it's minuscule. So we need to make sure that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater as we try to solve the global warming yeah. issue, and we don't want to devastate these uh, critical use markets over here. Right, right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's take this opportunity to transition and look forward. And we're going to lose Rob here. He's got a hard stop in a few minutes. Uh, but so let's look at 2024 and, and 2025, maybe like what, what are you seeing, Rob? Uh, where where are you seeing the market going from from, you know, more specifically, obviously, in North America, but globally, what, what's going to occur? You know, again, we talked about pipelines. We talked about distribution. We talked about legislation. What, what's uh, what's your outlook for the next couple of years? Uh, I think firstly, I come back to how you open this in terms of. 2023 wasn't a bad year, particularly for us guys. I mean, we've I've just been doing some analysis of our, our kind of top stories across the year at Gas World. There wasn't a CO2 story in the top 10, which was quite telling. I mean, that's that's rare. Um, you know, the year has been dominated by helium and hydrogen topics for us and a bit of spec gas. So that says that we had a less painful year. It also makes me think we've probably got some pain coming up in 2024. I mean, we we seldom go for more than 12 months or so without a big blow up somewhere, some sort of crisis. So I'm immediately thinking that's coming up. But I'd probably look back at two or three points for me that resonated uh, during our CO2 summit in Indianapolis. Um, the first, you, you know, we've covered already where you get your CO2 today will will not be where you get it from tomorrow. The second is that pricing point that Rich has talked about. I mean, I've got my my blue book of notes that I had on the ground in Indy, and I wrote down exactly what Rich was saying about that. Um, and the third is 
for me, there's a there's an overwhelming feeling or or view on the ground that actually the this is happening now. This change, this this changing of the guard in CO2 supply and sourcing. You know, there's there was very much a feeling in India I felt about get with the program. That this is happening. All of you need to switch on to that, and we need to um, all get into that sense of urgency. And I think it ties in with something Rich said in his talk. Actually, um, Rich, I'm sure you quoted John F. Kennedy when you said uh, of the CGA and the industry as a whole, if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? For me, it's just this urgency in the market. And I think in 2024, we're going to see so much more of that, so much more clarity on the, you know, the sourcing landscape, on the pipelines, on everything we need. And one really big, exciting area, I think, is, is that waste to CO2. Um, I think you know, that yeah. circular economy approach, we see it with hydrogen as well. I think that's an exciting space. Um, the fact that you could take that waste, convert it to CO2, um, and essentially do that, that that kind of conversion where the the sourcing and the demand is, is in the same place. I mean, that's that's fantastic. And you take transportation out of the loop slightly. I think there's a huge opportunity there to to kind of clean up some crunch points in the supply chain. So I'm really excited about that in, in 2024 and beyond. Yeah, that, that waste side, that biogas side, especially in Europe, I mean, I, you know, really starting to advance it because, you know, we are already capturing the methane off of that waste. Uh, not as much in the U.S., but there's some, uh, but for certainly for Europe now, especially with the Nord pipelines going down over the last couple of years and, and trying to become energy de- independent uh, from, from Russia and other parts of the world from natural gas, we're already doing it. The CO2 is there and it's clean let's do something with that CO2. And uh, so that's already happening. So yeah, that's, I think that's a great outlook. And I agree, we're starting to see uh, movement and, and uh, some transition on biogas here in the U.S. And, and you know, the methane is, is certainly something we're, we're already capturing uh, and, and putting into pipelines, but it's, it's very expensive. I mean, it's 10 times more the cost of just getting natural gas out of the ground, but that's got to come down. But in that, now there's CO2. Why don't we capture that CO2 and use it? It lowers the cost of that of that methane you know, in itself and, and doing all that. So yeah, I, I totally agree with your with your outlook there. And I think something I one final thing I was gonna say and I should have mentioned, I think we do have trouble ahead. That we do need, you know, we need to get through these waters if we as we've said, one of our speakers uh in Indies uh, described I think the period nineteen seventy five to two thousand as growth in CO2. Uh, in the industry, 2000 to 2020, maturity, and then he he said 2020 to 2030 is going to be turmoil. That was his words. So we've got a lot to uh, to crack on with, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, yeah, you used the word blow up earlier for your stories, <clears throat> and I always like to say, I mean, we try to avoid those those. Yeah, especially we don't really say that in CO2, but when it comes to hydrogen, we never say it's an explosive growth yeah. market. Uh, they don't go well together. We, you know, hydrogen does not explode. I mean, it absolutely. Does, <laughs> From the uh, from from CJ's perspective, as I look forward to 2024, you know, Rob made a lot of good points about some factors that are out there, but probably the biggest challenge I think we have is the biggest challenge we have every year is we don't know what's going to happen with the supply of CO2 because CO2 today, we, we rely on, again, waste streams from other industrial applications, ethanol, ammonia, what the, whatever the case might be. And there's factors that impact that whether they be really hot weather, which will suddenly increase the demand for it, whether it be things like uh, one of the plants that we rely on goes down, 
whether the price of uh, gasoline goes way up and so people stop driving so they're making less ethanol we don't control those factors and so that will impact the availability of co2 particularly as you get into the warmer months into the second half of the year so going back to the co2 solutions uh, coalition one of the goals that we're focused on making is a more reliable uh, supply of co2 for the longer term so that every year when we when we start getting into the spring these factors start happening and all the producers are scrambling to get their co2 how can we ensure that there's a reliable supply of CO2 through some of these things like tax credits and things like that will that will begin to make policymakers appreciate CO2 and ensure that that supply is there year in, year out? Yeah, we, we like to term that security of supply. And, you know, we, we talk to our markets a lot about that, that, you know, there if you have a natural gas boiler uh, or, or multiple on site of your facility uh, and you're producing, you know, a power through that, well, it's also producing CO2. We can capture that and clean it up and then use that in your own process. So a, food, a lot of food processors at the early stages have that. So, you know, the, you're, you're producing CO2 and then you're buying CO2. You know, so why don't we capture that, clean it up and don't be so reliant on these variable sources that are also at risk of going offline with all of the things that we're talking about. Uh, you know, hydrogen power, hydrogen generation, if you use a steam methane reforming, you're, you know, you can generate, if you can use renewable energy to generate steam methane reforming hydrogen, you also get CO2. Now you can capture that CO2 and use that, make dry ice, use that in your application. That that gets us off of these other uh, uh, generation generators of CO2. So we can work on you know decarbonizing those industries while capturing the additional CO2 that we're that we're doing in some of these harder to abate industries or harder to abate uh, locations like like you know power generation and things like that. So it's getting it's yeah I I, I agree with both of you. It's, it's slow and it's coming. Uh, but you know, as more of these go offline, it's going to dictate that more of these things have to happen. But at the same time, if there's enough incentive to do it, we'll learn from it, and then it'll become cost effective and economies of scale getting brought into play. So I, I, we have to see more of that. I think we're slowly getting there. Obviously, the uh, the media and outlet coverage uh, from Gas World helps that tremendously. We've got to get that out to more end users and, and rich the CGA. Obviously, industry wide, uh, huge, but also the the coalition and and doing all that lobbying efforts at the at the legislative effort is huge and, and bringing more users of CO2 to better understand where their CO2 is coming from is, is critical. And the reality is none of this happens overnight. Rob, is, as you mentioned, 2030, and that's looming. I mean, that is fast approaching. We act when there are shortages as if we don't know where to get the CO2. Jeff just laid out several sources. Rich laid out several sources. We do know where to get the CO2 from, uh, and we just need to start being proactive because at some point things won't reset. It has been cyclical. Um, but yes, I, yeah, Rob, I, I think you you set the stage well, a little bit of doom and gloom, but we can solve for those problems of tomorrow today. We just need to all be aligned and, and make sure that we understand it is not a flip of the switch to go from, you know, the purchasing of CO2, Jeff, to being self-reliant. Those things have to start happening soon. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I always like to say, you know, innovation is incremental. Uh, not monumental, but the problem is the legislation thinks it's monumental, right? And I think that's rich what you're saying. That's why we have to get way more involved because you can't just go, even like hydrogen is a good example of that right now. They're saying the only way you can produce hydrogen is with brand new electrolysis equipment of 100% only renewable energy from solar or wind. That's great. It's a great target. You can't go from here to here overnight. That's going to take a decade. We don't have enough renewable energy to do that. But if you put that legislation in place, you kill 
all innovation of hydrogen economy and the hydrogen will just never happen if you have that. CO2 is the same way. Saying that you can't have this parity, saying that we're not going to incentivize, we just want to capture it and sequester it and that's it. We're only going to focus on that. It's extremely short-sighted, but it's also it's also negative. It's damaging. And then, so that's why, I mean, they've got to be educated on these and we, we have to understand that these things take time and it's not monumental. There's going to be incremental changes and it might not be perfect today as long as there's a pathway to get to perfect in, in a decade or two. And Luke, uh, Luke, I agree with your, your comment. I, I do have a positive outlook because through this coalition, we're bringing some major players, major players in Washington together. You know, if I could just run through a few of them, we've got, you know, the North American Meat Institute, the American Beverage Association, Coca-Cola, the Beer Institute, the National Turkey Federation, uh, the Brewers Association, the GATA. We've got all the National Pork Producers Council. All these organizations have come together to help to use their resources and their thousands of members to get this word out about how important this this industry, the CO2 industry is. Uh, so I'm, I feel confident that using all of these resources, we'll, we will have an impact. But to your point, Luke, it's going to take a little time, but I think we've got the right people on the team. Oh, that's right. Great. And, 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 you know, maybe maybe we wrap with saying and, and maybe you have some closing thoughts, but we, Jeff and myself, right, we're so thankful for uh, the voice that you both bring um, because it helps amplify the message that we all feel. That's so important. And, and we want to have more people speaking out and bringing awareness and touching their audiences and having people ask those questions that maybe they are not thinking about. Sit there at Christmas this year, sit there over the holidays and have your beer and talk about what you're talking about, but understand where that CO2 comes from. Uh, and, and so this is just such a great platform, uh, having time today to hear what the perspectives you all have coming from different parts of the world and, and understand that there is alignment there and a path forward. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, yeah. So, so Rob, close this out. And, you know, so, so from, uh, from general audience perspective, like if you are an industry or you are, are a, a major player and in, in user of CO2, you know, please connect with with Rich and and the CGA and the, and the coalition to to get involved because it, the the bigger the 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 audio the, the bigger the voice the the broader the audience that we reach in at the legislative level level. But uh, yeah, and I I encourage everybody to to subscribe to to Gas World Magazine, not just industrial gas uh, uh, distributors and and producers, uh, because there's so much inv valuable information on all gases that impact industries that we that uh, you might not even realize impact you. And there's the great story. We don't write. Uh, they don't write stories and, and do do things just on gas. It's about the the applications and the downstream of it. So highly encourage that. But Rob, I know you've you've got to, you've got to run as well. So please close us out. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, what you see for 2024? Uh, I just I think exactly what you said. It's alignment. Let's we've got this. You know we've got this as an industry. We've got this as a society. Um, and I really urge anyone listening any end users anyone in government i don't know i don't know who you've got listening but if anyone picks this up please please come to us come to rich come to you guys and, and educate on co2 because there's a lot more we could be doing with a a circular economy approach in 2024 and beyond i think that sums it up excellent well gentlemen we really appreciate you coming on and give us feedback on where we were going into the year and where we're going into the future Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks, team. Everyone take care.